Well, welcome to church, the last Sunday for the year. As you reflect over 2021, I wonder if you've been perfect all year. Can you tick it off and go, yes, I never messed up once. Whew. Or maybe, maybe you have messed up. In a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to get people to, to rate themselves on a scale of 1 to 10 on who's messed up the most, and then the top five worst things, we're going to get you up here and share with everyone what you did wrong. No, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but I think if we think about how we've acted this year, those moments of frustration, those things that we let slip, the, the words, actions, deeds, I think all of us can acknowledge that this year we have messed up. We've fallen short. We've done things that we wish we could do differently, either on purpose or by accident. This year, I've come to realise that I keep calling my wife a vet when I'm up the front preaching. It's the only time I ever call her a vet. Her name is Yvette. Whoops. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't call your wife the wrong name. Um, I also... Did a wrote up a piece for our annual business meeting as a church, which is a, a great time to celebrate what God has been doing in the life of the church, uh, some of the financial stuff happening in the background, as well as some of the the, the, the organizational structures of the church. We, we then spend some time writing down what individual staff members for accountability and understanding of what's going on, what they're doing, and, and I find it a great opportunity to build up the staff members and say, um, acknowledge some of the behind-the-scenes work and the inter- incredible work they do. And it, it's a great opportunity to do that until you realize that you forgot to add two staff members. Yeah. But the thing that I'd probably regret the most this year as I look back, is realising that it's been a big year. It's been a heavy year. It's been a year full of distractions. Every lockdown has just cost time physically, but time emotionally and a time mentally to prepare on the way in and the way out, which has distracted me from opportunities to share the love of God with others. Not purposefully not sharing it, but not having eyes to see because I've been distracted by the busyness of life. If you've messed up this year, there is good news because God is a God that wants to spread hope. And there is hope for you, there's hope for me, and there's hope for our neighbours. We're going to hear about that today in Scripture. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is a spread of hope that is found in Jesus. May we realise this morning that it doesn't matter what we have done, that there is forgiveness in Jesus and there is hope for a future. May we hear, understand and embrace the spread of hope today. In Jesus' name, amen. See, when we do something wrong, it affects those around us. Especially when we do something wrong towards someone, like, for example, calling your your wife by the wrong name. What was I about to call you? Your knife. Your knife. See, I'm still a long way to go. But yeah, you do that. And, and, and I can be sorry. I can try to do better. I can write in big words on my notes, E, but that doesn't change the other person 
and the damage that was done by doing the wrong thing. The same with my staff. I've got written, I've started writing next year's ABM report with all of the staff's names listed out. So I don't forget them this year out, but next year. But it doesn't change the, the value statement that was made on that day. You see, when we do something wrong, it changes the relationship. It damages relationship with others. But there's something uniquely special about our relationship with God. Because even though we have done the wrong thing and we have damaged our relationship with God, he sent his son Jesus so that we may have hope. Hope that even though we've lived an imperfect life, we have done the wrong things this year because God sent his son Jesus to live this incredible life. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for your forgiveness. And so the 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 dynamic of Christianity that is different to that of the world is that when you say sorry to God, through Jesus, he goes, it is accepted. And that relationship is instantly restored. I have to work on building some of the relationships that I've damaged this year. Sometimes you can forgive but not forget for good reason. For example, there is people that that I've lent things to. And I love them. But they might come and say, can I borrow something else? And I go, well, can I have what I lent you last time back first? Like, there's a relational thing, and and there's something underneath that of, like, you've still got my tools that I lent you the other time. Like, oh, that's not the same with God. You say, God, would you forgive me for that? And he goes, yes. Thank you for forgiving me for the thing you forgave me the other time. And he goes, for what? See, it's forgotten. When Jesus died, the slate was washed clean. The, the, the list of things you did wrong was wiped out forever. Restored. You see, we have hope because of that. God forgives. And it doesn't matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. Today, as we look at Scripture, we're going to see some examples of just how much God forgave but also the response to forgiveness. You see, there's two parts to this message. The first is that you are forgiven. The second is your response. Now, forgiveness is all packaged up in itself. If you say, I'm sorry, he forgives you, and that's it. But if you love Jesus, then you do the action. You don't do the action to be forgiven. That is offered freely. But because you are forgiven, He invites you into action. And that's the two parts that we're going to look at this morning. We see that Jesus was about to go to the cross to die. And his disciples have run away because they're afraid that they're also going to be put onto a cross. They're going to be killed and put down, all sorts of terrible things. And we see one of Jesus' closest disciples, a guy called Peter. And we see this this happen in in the, the book of Matthew in chapter 26 and verse 69, it says, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, you were with Jesus of Galilee. But but he denied them all. He said, I, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went through the gateway and another servant girl came to him and said to the people there, this followed, follow was was... This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He again denied it on oath. I do not know the man. A little while, after a little while, he was standing there 
and went up to Peter. Those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoke. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. You see, the first thing when it comes to understanding, uh, to, to being forgiven, is you've got to understand what you've done wrong and understand the hurt that you have caused. Peter understood that he had let down his Lord. He had let down his master. Peter understood the depth of pain that he had caused to, to one of his closest friends, and, and he weeps bitterly. When it comes to our relationship with God, do you understand what happens when we make poor choices? Do you understand what it looks like when we have a bad attitude? Do you understand what it looks like when we, we say or do something that, that hurts our relationship the same way Peter did? We fast forward into Scripture to, to see that Jesus has now died on the cross. And three days later, he's risen again. And he's spending time with those that, that knew him well. He spent time with his disciples. He's spent time with, with the small group and the large group. There's a heap of people in the room that we read in, in Acts. But in this passage, Jesus is reinstating the mission that he has for Peter. And if we turn to John chapter 21, we read from verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You see, Jesus is repeating himself, and each time he repeats it, Peter starts to get more like passionate. He goes, yes, yes, I love you. Yes, of course I love you. And see, not only did Peter understand the hurt that he caused when he disowned Jesus, but he also valued the forgiveness. He valued the forgiveness. So much so that the very next verse, it goes on to say, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And his response is, he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch your hands out, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. For those that were here uh, yesterday, Christmas Day, we spoke at um, the service about the idea of having the car but not being the driver. Sometimes our life is like the car. We like to, to be behind the steering wheel. We like to be in control. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, it's, it's kind of like us being in the passenger seat and Jesus is driving. 
And in this passage, we see that, that Peter's being told that, that you used to be in control and you used to do what you want to do, but there are things that are going to happen to glorify God that are not going to be comfortable. And if you know the way that Peter died, it wasn't a, a great way to die, but he did it in a way that glorified God. You see, Jesus came to glorify God. Everything Jesus did pointed people to God. Jesus didn't come to heal the sick. While he did that, he didn't heal all the sick. There's still sickness in the world. What he came to do was to point people to God in all that he did. You think of when his good friend Lazarus was dying. He didn't go and heal him straight away. What he did was allowed what had happened in a broken world to take place and, and Lazarus died. Because Jesus knew that raising him from the dead would point more people to God than healing him. Jesus came to point people to God. And Peter is also pointing people to God. He glorifies God even in his death. But we see that in this, Jesus invites Peter to follow him. Now as a church, this year we have had two main scriptures, a theme and a scripture that we've been hanging on to all year. The main theme is that Jesus said, follow me. And that's been our, our journey this year, is to, to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus' example, follow Jesus' lifestyle, follow Jesus' attitude, follow Jesus' words, follow Jesus' actions. Why? Well, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Those who hear these words of mine and put them into action is like a wise man that builds his house upon the rock. Now, if we are called to follow Jesus and put his words into action, and that is the rock that we build our life upon, then Peter's instructions from Jesus to be the rock that the church is built upon also aligns with the words, follow me. Peter is invited to follow Jesus, to hear his words and put them into action, to be the foundation for the church. Now, forgiveness is all on its own. If you ask for forgiveness, that's why Jesus came. If you mean it, if you understand what it means, you understand the hurt, and you value what, what it looks like to be forgiven, Jesus offers forgiveness. No strings attached. It is a free gift. It is not by works that you are forgiven. It is by grace. But then we see that Jesus offers some actions for Peter. Forgiveness is, is given. But love is a verb. Love is an action. And Peter, uh, Jesus says to Peter, if you love me, there are some actions that you can do, that you can put into practice. These words of mine, you can live out as you follow me. The first one was, feed my lambs. Jesus says, feed my lambs. I believe lambs are the young Christians those that are new to faith. You could be a young Christian that's 90 years old. That's fine. You're new to faith. And like all babies, you've got to start on milk. Unless, maybe. I've seen a couple of babies that were young Dominic. You've just met Dom. Dom Rowland. I reckon he was born with a full set of teeth and a hairy back. 
Like that kid was a big kid. He, he probably didn't start on milk, he probably started on steak. Um, but most babies start on milk. Because that's all they can stomach. And when it comes to, to our walk with Jesus, we start with grace, we start with forgiveness. And that's enough. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The, the, the basics of our faith, feed my lambs, start with milk, start with love, start with generosity, start with kindness, start with compassion. But then we, we read, it goes on, the second thing that Jesus says to Peter is, take care of my sheep. Who are the sheep? The sheep are his creation, humanity. Care for those in need. Show the generosity. Live it out. Care for those that are in your world, in your sphere of influence. It could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be your neighbor. I've shared this once before. I think it might have even been this year, but earlier this year we, were, um, we just fin finished a really late elders meeting. An elders meeting it can, can be quite heavy, but on the way home we're, we're heading just down York Street and the second roundabout, there is a car sitting on the middle of the road, and one of its front wheels is facing that way, and the other front wheel is facing that way. And that's not meant to happen. And they're trying to move the car, but it just wouldn't work. And one of our elders is a mechanic. And so I thought, I will follow the biblical principle of delegation. <laughs> and, and I called Ash who within minutes had got the call, raced over to his work, which isn't that far away, but still it's late at night, gone and got a jack, come back, and we've been able to help jack up the car and get the, the wheels and get the car and push the car off the road into safety. Now, that, that wasn't like this... this incredible, miracle, holy moment, but it's a, a moment in the midst of the conversations to have with these, this, this group of people that were wrestling and didn't know what to do. They were quite lost. They said, oh, where are you going? Sorry, we're for holding you up. I'm like, well, we're just coming from an elders meeting from the church just down the road, but we'd like to help. And we're able to care for the sheep in that space and be a godly witness to care for others might be a part of you know, that you give to the reverse advent calendar. It might be that you have some time to give to service. It might be that you're praying for others. It might be a godly witness at work. There's so many ways that we can care for your sheep. It may be that you're, you're at home with the kids. I ought to say that is an incredible mission field. Family is your first ministry. What an incredible way to care for the sheep. The third thing that Jesus said to Peter was, feed my sheep. While baby Christians need milk, mature Christians need meat. I don't know what I was going to say. They're meat. I like meat. I get passionate about meat. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> but we need it, don't we? And there's different ways. We, we, we get meat from, from coming to church, but, but sometimes that's not enough. You don't need one good meal a, a week. You need a good meal every day. We've got to get hungry for God's Word. We've got to get into small groups where we can wrestle with what Scripture looks like and put it into action. We've, we've got to be in, our, in the Word daily as we do a devotion. Find something that works for you where, at whatever level you're at. When, when it comes to feeding my sheep, I want you to know that, that each one of us is a Peter. It doesn't just have to come from the pulpit on a Sunday. That, that if you are called to be the rock... 
If you are called to be the church, the body of Christ, then each and every one of us is responsible for looking after the younger ones. We're responsible for caring for those in the community and we're responsible for feeding those around us and being fed ourselves. And then Jesus says these incredible words to Peter, follow me. Everything Jesus did, as we said, points people to God. And we know that the only way to God is through Jesus, through the forgiveness that he offers. And so if the only way to God is through Jesus, we need to be pointing people to Jesus. This year we've been incredibly blessed by the interns that we've had. They've been amazing. We just heard from one of the interns who's now in Cambodia. Now, while we love that, I also want to say that just because you intern doesn't mean that we're going to send you overseas. That doesn't always work like that. Um, <laughs> some people will be like, yes, get me out of here. Others, but, but that's not always the way it works. Just so I've been called for a long time to the mission field. But one of the other interns spoke this year on something that I actually want to pick up again because there's such wisdom in these incredible young lambs that are coming into leadership and some of the beauty and the, the meat that they come out of Scripture we can really feed upon. And so Brie, Brianna Bartlett spoke on this earlier this year. And it's some research that came from Alpha. And, and the research is around how many times somebody has to hear that God... God loves them, that Jesus loves them, that as a Christian there is a, there is a hope that we have in the way that we live by being the recipient of an act of kindness that aligns with their journey towards Jesus. And, and this research comes to this idea of clock-face evangelism or, or 12 points of contact. And, and it works like this. That the research shows that it takes somebody 12 points of contact with a Christian for them to, to be faced with a decision or an opportunity to wrestle with what it is to, to follow Jesus. Now, that's not the same Christian 12 times. That's 12 people. Now, I want to say to us as a church, if we're to follow Jesus and to point people to God means pointing people to Jesus, then you may not be the person that, that seals the deal, that leads them to Christ. But you might be number three. You might be number four. You might be number one. It's so important that as we live our lives, we show God's love to others in a way that shows that there's something different in us. We have hope because of Jesus. And it's important that we show that hope to others in the way that we live. In some ways, it takes the pressure off to just go, I'm just going to be kind and generous and live my life. And, and the people that are around me are going to be infected, infected, affected. Yeah, you've got to be careful. I'm not wearing a mask either. They're going to be affected. And in that, you might be the person that's at number 11 or number 12. You don't carry the whole weight, but you're a part of their journey on realizing that, hey, there is something about this. There is something about these Christians that they live differently. What is that? We know that it's hope. We know that it's Jesus. They don't yet. If we are to follow Jesus, we appoint people to God, which means pointing people to Jesus. This is what the spread of hope looks like. Peter went from that place and spread hope everywhere he went. He messed up. 
We see in some of the, the New Testament books where, where Paul is correcting Peter because Peter messed up. We still mess up. We, we're going to have failures. We're going to have years like we did this year where we did things wrong. The beauty is that you are offered forgiveness. And in that forgiveness is hope for our future. And my question to us as a church today is, will you spread the hope of the world with others? My prayer is that as we continue to follow Jesus, that this is the foundation that will not be shaken. That we would be obedient to fulfill Christ's mission to share hope with others and to spread hope into the world in which, to the hope of the world that is Christ to those around us. You have a role, you have a job, you are forgiven, and you have hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you loved us so much that you died on the cross so that we would be forgiven. We know that in that forgiveness that we have an incredible hope for our future. Lord, I pray that we would share that hope with others, that we would allow you to take the wheel and steer our life in a way that we know is better than what we can do for ourselves. And Lord, we pray that as we share this forgiveness with others that we have with our relationship with you, that others would come to know the hope of the world. Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us to be a part of somebody else's journey. Lord, that you would put people in our path that we can show love to. Lord, for those that are in our faith community here at York Street, we pray that we would feed the lambs, the next generation those that are yet to make a decision, those that are new in their faith, whether young or old in age. Lord, we also pray that we would learn to feed ourselves the meat that is required for sustenance. For those that are doing it tough, we would be able to carry them with love and care. That we, we would live with radical generosity because of what you did by sending your son, God, the most radical act of kindness that we could imagine. Lord, we thank you for the birth of hope that is found in Jesus. And as we finish this year, we say sorry for the things that we've done wrong. But Lord, we say thank you for what is yet to come. Lord, we pray that 2022 would bring a year where we would see hundreds upon hundreds of people come to know the hope that is in you. And that we as the body of Christ would have the opportunity to be influencers on the clock faces of evangelism in the world that we live in. We would get to share love in a way that points people to Jesus. Thank you for 2021, for the lessons that we've learned. And we pray a blessing upon 2022. In your name we pray.